everyone, it's Cindy Kaza, and you're listening to the Paranomaly Zone. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. It does happen. A ghostly apparition in the dark of night. Hey, Mike, you are a a father, right? I am a father of two lovely young ladies yes correct correct yes you're not a father in the uh, the priestly sense of the term as far as you know no and i would not care to be referred to as such i don't know nothing nothing against it i think it has a nice has a nice tone though father mike that sounds that sounds actually maybe i'll start referring to you as such for from now on okay would you like that father mike uh, well, I don't know. Well, I have to ask, why would you put this? It's spur of the moment. Name on me. Spur hmm. of the moment. I, it's, I like to experiment, like to change things up. Uh, like to, you like to experiment a little bit. Well, I tell you what, back in college, there was a time. There only two, two days is all it was. But anyway, go ahead. Well, well it's, I'd much rather refer to you as as father mike as opposed to daddy oh don't call me daddy especially you what, what, what was that supposed to mean daddy dad well it it would sound like you're coming to me asking for a quarter or something i thought this had something to do with my tiny baby hands oh no no I, no i i had to forget i, I had to throw that out I, it creeps me out too much can't as, think of the baby hands as i as i crawl towards daddy on my tiny baby hands and wrinkled knees reaching out with that tiny little baby hand that's even too small to hold the quarter that you're asking for why is it well you're stuck on a quarter that's kind of well that's how i would feel like you're okay (laughs) okay now there's a reason i asked you if you were a father Okay, I'll, okay. I'll call yes, Mike. let's get back to that, because we have rambled way too much no, on that. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, and you have two lovely, wonderful daughters. Yes, with now, beautiful families that they have. Now, did they? Did either one of them ever go through the quote-unquote uh, goth phase at I all? I have no idea. You don't recall? If no. they did, if, look, for argument's sake, Mike, Let's say one of your two lovely, intelligent, beautiful, talented daughters went through said goth phase. They they dyed their hair jet black. They started wearing the really dark eyeliner. They got their you know their 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 nostrils pierced. They wear an all they wear all black baggy clothes. Any number of examples, right? The black fingernails. Okay, sure. Would you for one second assume that this was caused? By the devil? Hmm. I'm asking. I'm asking for a friend. 
You are. Okay. Well, in my opinion, no, it's not. It has nothing to do with any okay. demonic uh, influence. Okay. So certain are you? Fuck uh, Mike. I just don't like that idea. It just doesn't okay. ring. Doesn't ring with me. Okay, and that's that's fair. That's yes. totally fair. Mm -hmm. And by no means am I strongly hinting at my take slash opinions on the upcoming story that we are about to discuss here on mm -hmm. the Paranomaly Zone. Uh, oh, by the way, everybody, that's where you are. That's the Paranomaly Zone. Your weekly dose of all things, you guessed it, Paranormal Strange and Mysterious, in case you are new to the program. Believe it or not, from time to time, we get new listeners uh, introductions are in order. My name is Patrick Koffenberg, and I'm joined, as always, by my sleepy co-host with the ghosts, the paranormal poster boy himself. What did I call you today? Oh, yeah. The man whose goal is to attain a status of almost comfortable, Mr. Mike Carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't have your mic off when you were struggling with, with your chair. And you were yes. you were talking about how much you like the chair. Then you said, "Yep, it's almost comfortable." <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, you heard me kind of like a little bit of a strain when I I thought I was going to fall, but I I held myself up. But yeah, this chair we found it in a free pile ah. on the side of the road as you come into the small town of Enderlin that I live in, and I thought, "Wow, I I really like that." Yeah. It's kind of it's got a, a a round wicker seat and a small wicker back and it swivels. It's it's like kind of like a bar chair basically. Oh sure. Yeah, yeah. I've seen you it. Know, that seen kind it. of framework and everything. But but there's one of the uh, it's got four legs and one of the bottoms of the legs where the foot or whatever it is, it's missing that <laughs> that piece. Yeah. So it's not balanced. I can see look at you can I it's can a little, rock back. A little wobbly. A little wobbly. Yeah. So it actually you know, yeah, so I get really nervous trying to get on it because I, you know my frail condition. I'm I'm always afraid I'm going to fall no matter what. But because it's happened, it has happened. You know, I'm thinking about changing the name of the podcast to the Precarious Podcast just to fit your situation. Every time you record an episode, Mike is putting his life in danger for you, boys and girls. So I, I do that. I do, it's worth it. It's worth every. Every life that I have, it's worth it. And the funny thing is, Mike <laughs> totally took me seriously when I said that. He's because he's like, I, 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 I am putting my life on the line. <laughs> but it's good to see you, though, Mike. All jokes aside, uh, take a big old swivel of that Diet Coke. Yes, it's Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Very that's good. right. That's right. Uh, give you a little little jolt of energy. We got a good topic lined up for everybody tonight. Well, we think it's pretty interesting. Hopefully, you enjoy it. Uh, it's something that we've tossed around a few times before, Mike, and we have. You know, shocking. Usually, it's my fault. We'll decide that we're focusing on this topic at hand, and then, well, sometimes as close to a half an hour before we start recording, I say, "I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it." And so, did we decide, you change? Did you change what we're talking about tonight, then, or what? Well, no, no, no. If you would let me finish. Okay, um, go ahead. <laughs> No, I was using this as an example it. that that has happened before with this topic because I threw this out months and months ago as a potential um, subject, and we agreed upon it, but then I changed my mind, as I am wont to do, apparently. And I, I know I frustrate Mike to no end because oh, he, no. he does his due diligence. He studies hours upon hours 
only to have me change my mind at the last moment. Throws him all in a in a flutter in a Twitter, and he just doesn't know how to handle me. But he forges forth. Is that, I know tr- how, is that I, true? I Mike? handle him by the throat. Is what I do. <laughs> Mike, I'll just, throttle you. Yeah. I will throttle you. Yes, Mike does that in his dreams. Sometimes I can see his happy, happy, beautifully. <laughs> Potentially realistic dreams where Mike wakes up and he, his hands are clenched. He's envisioning my scrawny little chicken neck between yeah. these <laughs> these paws of his. And he's like, oh. damn it, little boy. And I'll say, Father Mike, Father Mike. No, I actually say, Daddy, don't. And then you wake up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then I cry. I wake up crying. And Mary's asking me, why are your hands flailing so much in your sleep exactly. actually about a week ago she did say mike you you kind of shouted out in your sleep last night kind of kind of like wailed out and oh no I, I i remember no dream or anything but i know what you yelled uh, you yelled tiny baby hands that's what you yelled <laughs> patrick's baby hands or not who the hell knows anyway they're good for a gopher hole. They are very sure. Yeah, you lose your ghost balls down a gopher hole. Hey, give me a call. I'll, I'm there to retrieve them. I'm quicker than a cat when it comes to that. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike's almost leaning on his microphone. Right now. No, I'm not. I'm. Hey, I'm ready to go. <laughs> yep, take another swig of that energy-filled Coke. Mike's wearing a Friday the 13th shirt, and it's a it's a new I shirt. Am. You said. It's uh yeah, it's an eight dollar jobby I got from Walmart. You got an eight dollar job at Walmart? Well, good it's god, sure. what does Mary think of that? No, nothing. <laughs> the jokes are going to fly over everybody's head, including Mike's tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just sitting here shaking my head, trying to get that out. I know, I got gotcha. you, I got gotcha. you. Get out, get out my head. Well, uh, I guess <clears throat> the subject at hand tonight. Yeah, it, it revolves around that seemingly ever-favorite topic of the Paranomaly Zone, uh, demonic possession. Well, not possession, but if you think of a house potentially being possessed by demonic entities, then yeah, that works. Oh. Well, it goes back beyond that even, oh, hell beyond yeah. you know, the history of this. Oh, gosh, yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Um, but we're focusing on a particular tale, alleged tale, supposed tale, a demonic haunting that took place starting back in 1988 and ran all the way through 2006 before this house was exercised, was cleansed. Doing that in air quotes, was cleansed. I'm talking about the case that was the basis of the novel The Demon of Brownsville Road, written by Mr. Bob Cranmer. Bob was the the father, the, the husband of the family in question who went through all these alleged incidents, um, this torment, the psychological damage, sometimes physical damage that was inflicted upon the residents of this house is pretty, pretty crazy. Um, we're going to tackle this topic with an open mind, but also a very skeptical mind because you have to. You just have to be that way. Well, you, you do. It's that's the way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, we can't <laughs> we can't be absolutely blatant and obvious about where we straddle that paranormal fence. And by the way, <laughs> straddling fences doesn't feel too good, so we don't recommend that. No, it, uh, yeah, you don't want to do it. It's, it doesn't work. <laughs> Especially if you're wearing heavy boots. 
<laughs> Mike's head is heavy right now. I'm sorry. There's going to be lots of little jokes throughout the episode tonight because it's sleepy time for Mike, but it's okay. <laughs> Perfect. It's wonderful, Mike. It's it's great. Been busy doing so many things around the house, and it's been very difficult. Oh, I know. I got gotcha, you, man. I got gotcha. you. I tease because I I love, and I tease yes. because I care. I kid because I care. <laughs> Well, I was out on the lake today helping my brother get the, the pontoon off the lake to unfortunate results. Uh, basically, the only thing that happened was my older brother almost froze to death, and we have to give it yeah. another shot next week because the damn trailer broke. The trailer oh to haul the, mon- the, the pontoon, there's a ball bearing in the, uh, in uh, uh, what the hell, what the hell, am I, the crank. And so sure. we're sitting there cranking away, and all of a sudden, why is it not lifting out of the water any further? Because the damn thing busted, and it's like, oh great! And it's a rented trailer too. Oh boy! But hope, but you know, we kind of know the people who rented it. So hopefully, they understand. They rent it to people, different people throughout the summer, and we just picked it up today, and it didn't work. So we didn't do anything oh, to it. Oh boy! There's yeah. going to be trouble there. No, we didn't do a damn thing. But oh, like I said, the only thing we accomplished was Mark got very wet, uh, yeah. doused well, socks yeah. and feet. <laughs> And it's it's cold out. It's ass oh, cold. Oh man, I mean, the temperature drops so much. It's down yeah. to the thirties here in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, we have snow here. We yes. have snow here. No, it was it was pretty damn cold. And I was Mark was doing all the work. I was just one driving the trailer, backing it up and pulling it out and all that stuff, you know, and I was cold doing that. So <laughs> I, you know, I quit going into Minnesota lakes even in the summertime. July, forget it. It's cold. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, well, I can walk out. As far as like my upper thigh, and then no after, further after that. After that, no, because nope, it hurts, it's painful. <laughs> it hoits. It you hoits. get past that point, and it's like whoa. So again, the the case of the demon of Brownsville Road. Uh, this is a topic that, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we were going to tackle a long time ago, but I. For various reasons, I wanted to change my mind. This is a book, Mike, that I actually bought way back when it was first published. I think it came out in 2014. I mean, I've had it for years. And I know I'm going to sound sound like a little dork, a little baby boy with little baby hands. But um, <laughs> <A> dork. <laughs> yes, Have I, you ever felt like a dork? A whale's penis. Um, no, I have not. But when I first started the, reading this, no joke, you know how I am in my Catholic upbringing and everything, and I was kind of getting into it, and Dominus I... Requiem. Whoa! Yes, anyway, that's bringing ahead. back nightmares right there. No, I got into it, and then I stopped because I was, yeah, I was getting kind of creeped out by it, and I didn't like mm. how it was making me feel. Yeah, that's my, my uh, nerdy little Catholic up, upbringing. And I put the book aside. Well, in the last, uh, however, I don't know, month, two months, I finished the damn thing, and I got it all loaded in my head, and I wanted to talk about it because I have a you lot of opinions. You found your courage, and you dug into it, and you finished it, and now well, you're, the funny you're thing ready is, to purge the information. I'm to ready the to purge. I'm ready to yes. purge. The funny thing is, I cannot find the physical copy of the book. I just dove into it and finished it with the Audible, the audio version. I listened to it, which some people don't like. Some people prefer the audio versions. Um I'm I'm cool with either of them. I was trying to find the damn book again today, Mike. I couldn't find it. It's disappeared. I think a demon stole it. I really don't know. But I have a lot to say about this. And if you're fans of Audible, or if you're fans of audiobooks, please tell me you are with me that the person they choose to narrate these damn books, sometimes 
makes or breaks these damn books. No matter how good they are, if the narrator is awful, yeah, it is a painful experience. Unfortunately, the narrator of this book was god-awful. But I fought through it. It was so bad. He was just annoying. But that'd be hmm. like me reading a book. People trying to listen to me narrate a book, they turn it off after one paragraph. So who am I to say? The Demon of Brownsville Road, Mike. Were you familiar with at all this story, this case, aside from what kind of like I kind of sent you stuff in the past about it? You know, or? not really. I, I hate to say it, but no, I really have not been no. familiar with it. Oh, that's fine. I really don't. I'm not sure if it's really that well known of a, of a case. I know back in the day, apparently, Cramner had been offered some movie right. You know, had been offered to sell the story for movie rights. I should say uh, a potential Netflix series, and but they all fell through for various reasons. The last thing I saw was like 2000 or yeah, just a couple of years ago in 2021. Supposedly, it was purchased again. Maybe a movie is going to be coming out. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. If a movie does come out from this book, it will be just like the book itself. It will be very polarizing. You either believe it or you don't. And uh, we'll tell you why. It's going to be an ABC after school special at four. Oh, boy. They'll have to tame down a lot of stuff, a lot of content for an ABC after school I'll special. I'll tell you what. Gather around the television, children. We're going to focus on demons. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be like Halloween three, season of the witch. Just what? watch the TV. Nah, I'll I'll pass. I'll pass on that one. So, God, where the hell do I want to start with this one, Mike? Okay, a uh, uh, very quick, very very brief, uh, kind of cliff note version of what. Bob Cramner is, or not what he is, how he is as a person. He's a strong man of faith, a man of very strong faith. He's a he's a he's a Christian. Wonderful, terrific. Believes uh, in God. Believes in God, believes in Satan. <laughs> mm-hmm. He believes that all evil on earth committed by humans is basically essentially the re- where you know humans who commit evil acts are the result of being kind of the marionette version of you know the devil's mm-hmm. up the devil's up there pulling our strings type thing, right? Okay. I mean, we have our own thoughts on that, Mike. Uh, can you briefly say what you think about that? Do you think that there is an underlying true evil slash demonic power that is controlling all evil actions that happen on this earth? Well, if there's a pure good that is controlling all the wonderful positive good in this world. You know, there must be somebody that is controlling or something that is controlling the evil, whether it's with the puppet strings or Mm -hmm. mind control or demonic possession. Do you personally buy that either way, though? Like, uh, no. Okay. I knew knew your answer, but I wanted the listeners to hear it from your very mouth there. Yeah. And, you know, it would be hard for me to really go into what I believe because... You know, it's it would be very deep. <laughs> right. but, uh, That's the type yeah. of stuff that Mike and I talk about when we're driving six hours to a, yeah. a haunted town. You know, <laughs> That's right. yeah. we go back That's and right. forth. I'm telling you, man, I kind of regret that I didn't record our conversation. That would have been a great like Patreon, oh yeah, Patreon episode to 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 uh, release. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, by the way, yeah, uh, we did reopen the Patreon account. We'd love to see you guys there. If you want to support the podcast, no better way than to give that a shot. You can try it out for as little as a dollar a month. And if you don't like it, you can leave. <laughs> Easy as that. But um, lots of really we, cool, yeah. exclusive content from the Paranomaly Zone boys, as in Mike and myself. Uh, 60 episodes, lots of our own paranormal investigation clips, audio and video. Just a really fun thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't think of a lamer way to describe it, but it's cool and it's fun. And we're, you know, why well, not start it up again? It, it's just a thing. That's yeah, right. Maybe that's why yeah. I said thing because you know, yeah, it's just a thing. It's and I feel so proud and and just so happy to be able to be a part of it on this end, on the inside. Yeah, I am. I've got the inside thing on on the paranomaly zone patreon <laughs> episodes because i am there with every one of them you are you are yes. you are a passionate you are a you are 50 percent of this podcast but you are also mike a fan of the podcast well i'm a fan of part of the podcast yes oh your part i get it fine <laughs> anyway Let's go. I think a lot of listeners are like that, too. If only PK would shut his trap, this podcast would be great. Yeah, then all I'd have to do, uh, I'd be rambling and rambling, and then well, that would be that'd be worse than anything. So, yeah, I'm not good. This is my quick five-second sample of what the podcast would be if Mike was hosting it. There you go, folks. Exclusive example right there. Really? <laughs> Another one wow. that went right over Mike's head. <laughs> I think that's kind of harsh. It's not harsh. You've said that yourself, my friend. We yes, we, we got that synergy. We got that chemistry. Absolutely. Maybe. <laughs> All right, Mike, the Demon of Brownsville Road. The, yes. Just a couple uh a few little tidbits of background of this story. This house was built way back in 1909, and as, as the story goes from the author himself, Mr. Bob Cramner. Cranmer. This house is located in Brentwood, Pennsylvania. He was always fascinated with this house. Even as a little kid, he'd ride by it, he'd walk by it, and he'd just sit there and he'd stop and stare. And he just, there's something about the house that just intrigued him. Again, this is what he wrote in the book. He didn't really quite know why, but to him, for some reason, that house symbolized success. And right. he, he was like, that, that's what I want someday. That's what I want to be myself someday. So, I mean, that's kind of a you know, a very, very brief childhood ex uh, history of this man's intrigue with this house. Lo and you behold, know, you know, lo and behold, decades later, he comes across this same house for sale. And guess what? They buy it. What were you going to say, Mike? Um, you know, it's interesting. I was just thinking this the other day that uh, there are a lot of stories that you see on TV or, or read about that a house is like, it, it's like it draws its owner to it and it's i've seen it many many times it's like there's a connection there and they end up getting the house and and you know and it's they, it's fascinating yeah. too mike because we've i know we've talked about this before but it always brings up that question is it the house or is it some energy in the house that's occupying that house that like draws these people in there you know what i mean is the house right. itself the energy or is it something that abides resides in that house you know i mean i think it could be both absolutely could be both i i agree with that 
And after purchasing the house, uh, Bob, a former county commissioner, goes on to tell that for the next 18 years, like I said, 1988 through 2006, his, fan was, his family was tormented by what he referred to as a demon that allegedly resided in that house. And right away it brings up an interesting question, Mike, because at one point in the book he talks about, and forgive me, everybody, and forgive us, because talk about cliff note versions. We highly recommend if you're interest, interested in this topic, get the book. Listen to it. Read it. You'll learn so much about the story that we can't get to here, obviously, in a limited amount of time. So we're going to be flying through this uh, willy-nilly, kind of like we get do. A, yeah. And get a bookmark. Don't don't fold <laughs> the corners down. You know, I, I don't just, like that. I don't like folding the, the pages down like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so what what do you do? What do you, it, yeah, it's destructive and then you just have a, a ton of folded pages yep. in this book. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Disrespectful perhaps to the book? I say I don't know. No idea. Mike, you all right yes. over there? I am. I'm enthralled. <laughs> oh yeah, you sure look like it, man. <clears throat> I am. He's licking his lips. You must is it kind of dry over there in Enderlin? It is. <laughs> Yeah, where the hell was I? Purchased the house in 1988 until it was finally uh, exercised in 2006. The family was tormented by what they called, or what Bob referred to as a demon. Now, I wanted to ask you this first, Mike, because in the book, Mr. Cramer, <clears throat> oh, it's going to be so hard for me to not put the M first. It's Cranmer. I keep saying Cramner. It's Cranmer. Bob Cranmer. Mr. Bob, if you're listening, I apologize. I'm going to call you Mr. Bob for the rest, for the rest of the episode just to prevent <laughs> that error from occurring. He alleged that <clears throat> kind of on accident, they had discovered a closed-up closet that was behind the stairs, the, the ground-level stairs, the first-level stairs. They, you know, He was doing some renovation. He was working around a house. He did that quite a bit around the house, outside and inside, finding lots of odd, dis you know, discovering lots of odd things. Well, this one was really odd because behind this plastered up, covered up uh, closet behind these stairs, he claims that they found all sorts of little trinkets and items, um, tokens, so to speak, from around the house. And not only from around the house, but current items, such as his son, his younger son's drawings. And, you know, they found old, like, Legos. I mean, of all things to find down there, Legos. Uh, several different items. Again, behind this... didn't step on them. <laughs> I know. Those, that nothing is worse. Those who have kids have all stepped on Legos or toys at night when uh, making their way through the precarious dangers of their child-littered house. <laughs> so, <laughs> child, not, not littered with children. Littered with their children's items, that's for sure. Right. But um, it's just crazy because, like, his son's drawings supposedly would disappear and they were miraculously uh, were discovered, popped up behind this plastered up, closed up wall, mm. Mike, in this closet. That's paranormal there. <sighs> well, it sure sounds like <laughs> it's not normal, that's for sure. Yes. But he went on, and again, this is a man of faith, he went on to state his strong belief that this closed-up closet 
was in fact like the lair of the demon that was living in his house. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up eventually like cleaning up that little space and they use it as their storage for their Christmas decorations and stuff, you know. And and he said like once they started putting, they're using it at, as Christmas decoration storage. Mm. It kind of acted, you know, kind of spurred some activity, like it was pissing off the entity down there, being surrounded by this, you know, this, these kind of Christian tokens, like Christian items, whatever, wow. whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, I don't know. You do don't you want think? Like, like, I'm sorry, Mike. What, okay. what I was going to ask you was, go ahead. What do you think of that idea of this? We think of like a demon as not necessarily even like a physical entity, but more of a. I'm, I'm using this term loosely, like a spiritual, an ethereal being you know right something that you can't necessarily touch or doesn't wave non-tangible there you go yeah it's what do you think about the idea of this demon basically having its own room in the house because that's where it needs to go (laughs) and that's where it takes off you know when it's not causing hell not wreaking havoc in the house it's like okay it's bedtime i need to go behind this closed up uh closet yeah and go but it's gonna but it's gonna take something from your from your house as it does yeah exactly uh, well, how, well, does, how does that you rub know, you? Does it rub you the right way? Is it too weird? I mean, what do you think? No, it's not weird. It's interesting. You know, if if there's a place where that energy feels it needs to go, is it some type of a, not a portal, but a an energy spot hmm. where... He referred to it as a void. Bob. A void. Uh, absolutely. It could go there for energy it could rebuild its energy from this mm-hmm. whatever is there and uh it enjoys stealing things at the same time it's <laughs> right it's a, it's a little hoodlum not only is it a demon it's a thief i mean yeah. what's worse than that <laughs> right so but it would have to have enough energy to be able to do that that would take quite a bit of energy yeah. to you know take well, items like this it's it's the idea of because I'm kind of correlating a demonic <clears throat> entity. I'm I'm correlating it with like a ghost type thing. I'm correlating it with a, the the classic haunting, even though I believe them to be totally different things. It's just it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that idea that it's like okay, the demon's done causing havoc. And now he's it's time to go nun nice, so he's going in his little bedroom for the night. <laughs> you know, this little buried, nondescript, unknown room slash locale in the house. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around it, but. Then again, why not? Um, okay, well, is this a demon or is it uh, an entity that is from this house from a, a different time or a different era, mm-hmm. but it has a connection to this closet for some reason? Right. You know, um, it, it, you know, just something as simple as that. Well, as the uh, the history of the story goes, and a lot of this has been confirmed, by the way. Uh, dating back to the 1790s, I believe the date was, on that property, nearby or on that exact prop- property, there was uh, a tragic uh, massacre of a mother and her three children by the, the local Native Americans at the time because they were feeling threatened. They were, you know, the, the white man was impeding on their territory. And again, we totally understand all of this. History is ugly. History is what it is from both sides. I mean, it's, it's savage. It's brutal. Um, according to Bob Cramner and with some historical backup, that's kind of where all this started up. Okay. Now the husband of this massacred family was away at the time 
he survived. And, you know, you can only imagine returning to his homestead and finding his, you know, his brutally murdered wife and children. Uh, well, he, you know, he took off, obviously, but not before burying them in the yard, the, what would become the eventual modern front yard. And he planted a tree to, sign- to uh, signal, I guess, where they're Signify where their remains right. are placed. Now, this tree is over 200 years old now, this massive oak tree that's still in the front yard. And again, we're going all over the place here, but we eventually get to the point where allegedly with using some radar sensory equipment, uh, Bob himself used some dowsing techniques. Supposedly some bodies, the images of bodies were found laying underneath that oak tree, which fit the history of the story. They could have cadaver dogs. You know, I'm not sure if they did bring cadaver cadaver well. dogs there or not. I'm I'm I don't recall that. I don't recall hearing that. I, I might be wrong, but I don't recall hearing that part. But again, that kind of that massacre of this family supposedly was the instigator of this I don't know. It was kind of the the power behind the this evil this it's, starts it's, growing. It's, the, the impetus. Just, that's the word I'm yeah. looking for, the impetus. It's this huge, strong energy that's caused by all of this is going on. Mm-hmm. Almost like a, a curse, if you want to use that word. No, that's you great. Know, exactly. It, it's so strong that it's so uh, embedded in that, that area. Mm-hmm. I mean, and anything that's growing or, or built on that spot, it's going to be affected by that energy. Oh, heck, I was going to say hell yeah, but I caught myself there. No no saying H-E double hockey sticks when we're talking about demons yeah. here today. But, Mike, again, we've talked about your thoughts on the, the existence of demons, the existence of demonic possession, whatnot. We're not going to re- dive into that by any means. We've done that several times. But, again, for argument's sake, let's say that you are open-minded to the existence of demons, okay? Now, okay. how about the idea of this massacre somehow conjuring up this evil entity itself. The, again, that word, the impetus of this evil energy, and it just grew over the decades from then. From It just absorbed all things negative to be, make itself stronger and stronger and stronger until it got to the point where it was absolutely terrorizing the Cranmer family. Or, absolutely. on the other hand, on the other hand, was the massacre caused by evil. In the first place, you know, was there something mm. about that land already? Was there, you know, I, I, wow. it, it's enough to make your mind spin, but I don't know. I, I don't know. That's the only way I can put it. I'm assuming you're probably the same on that one. Well, absolutely. But, but that's interesting because that would totally put the blame, if you want to use that word, on the land itself. I mean, it does. Yeah. Is it, is it something that, has been there since the beginning of time. Something Earth mm-hmm. created itself. You know, that's um, the thing. That's- yeah, who knows? And with that, if if it is something like that, if it's always been there, maybe the 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 things that are going on with it within the house are like an elemental. Oh, that's a good point. Creatures, yeah. You know that have never been human. Have just are. 
are created of nature, yeah. you know. Um, uh, now, and elementals can be elementals can be both the good and the evil. Absolutely, there's that balance. Hmm, I like that idea. I mean, I, I don't like the, the idea, but you know what I mean. That's right. That's a good pull. Um, hmm. Not to make you wonder. It's enough to make you ponder, Mike. By the way, you need to ponder. pull your damn ponderables back. What the yes, hell? Yes, I, I know. I, I have to work on that, and it, it shall be coming. Shall be coming. Well, we're looking forward to it. I'm telling you that right now. All right. Our listeners miss the ponderables, Mike. Are you scratching yourself or your dog? Or what? neither? No. Uh, <laughs> God, I, hope, I was hoping you didn't wouldn't notice that. No, I, oh, you're fondling yourself on air? No, no, no. If no, if I'll adjust myself, but that's as far as I'll go. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, There's there's a reason that we don't do uh, a YouTube episode every every week because (laughs) most of the time we're sitting here naked. That's a little known fact. Mike is in the nude right now, and I all I have on are uh, black socks. (laughs) Black socks (laughs) with his name stitched in the inside of it. I do. I know. I want to make sure that they're mine. Don't mess PK, up your socks. PK. <laughs> Tiny baby hands. Steal my socks. These are Patrick's socks in his gym locker, but they got his initials on it, so nobody will steal it. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. I do want to point out, too, that I mentioned that, you know, Mr. Cranmer, you know, does have a pretty esteemed, um, how do I... I was going to say life. Well, I'll just say that. Yeah. He, I mean, his, he, his background. His is. background. There you go. Yeah. You know, like I said, he's a former county commissioner. I mean, I know he did run for mayor uh, in the Pennsylvania area, in the era, area, but uh, unfortunately for him, he did not win. But he also served 10 years in the military. Um, I mean, he's, I was watching some interviews with him. He's, he's, he, he's done several, uh, how do you want to call them? Not necessarily speeches. Motivational speeches, kind of, you know, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, again, talking about his faith and his stories and stuff. Very, you know, seems like a very well-read, intelligent, intelligent man. Um, so it's hard for me to. Well, you can't. No one can sit there and figure out who someone is just by. Even if you read his book, you can't figure out who the guy truly is. Okay, and I, I think he's a stand-up comedian. You think so? Oh uh, yeah, somewhere <laughs> there along there, yeah. <laughs> okay. That, that could that. be it. Could yeah. be it. And the book was just like his practice for his stand-up routine. He spent yeah. years writing this book just to crack jokes about it on stage. And bomb, maybe. I don't know. Hey, by the way, talk about going off on tangents. I have the utmost respect for comedians. Talk about a job that requires balls yeah. of, you know, of just iron. You know, brass nuts, so to speak. Oh, yeah. uh, going up there yeah. trying to make people laugh. Not that easy, folks, and it takes some courage for sure, especially if you bomb terribly. Oh, yeah, you got to bounce back from that. I'm sure that's difficult. Oh God, yeah. Now, some of the some of the again alleged occurrences that happened when they first moved in, uh, Mr. Cramner, Mr. Bob, I called him Cramner again. Mr. Bob claims that activity essentially started up right away when they moved in, and it just escalated he 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 claimed that the the um owners the then owners of the house seemed very very eager to sell the house they seemed very nervous oh, to sure. him uh nervous to him uh he was surprised very much surprised that they accepted his first offer on the house and that's 
it was a low offer. That's what you do when you barter back and forth when you're buying houses. You start off with this is what I offer you right now, and then they'll counter offer or vice versa. And mm. they they jump at his first offer. That See, again, this is according yeah, to yeah. him. This is according there's, to him. Yeah. Um, I think you're saying there's kind of maybe a sign right there that they wanted out of the house. Yeah, and wh- he should have thought this because question number one, boy, they're eager. <laughs> you know, question number two, boy, they're taking that offer. And you why? Know, why? Yeah. Why mm-hmm. would they do this? Uh, you know, I'd be asking some questions. And as I mentioned before, just things slowly started escalating, seemed to occur immediately. And we have to be, we also have to be, if we, if, um, we have time to do so, we will definitely make an effort to do that. But there are people who argue against basically everything that Mr. Bob has claimed. People will say that most of the well, the details, the alleged accounts, not necessarily from him himself, because they're subjective, obviously, to he and his family, but basically to he and he alone. But other family members from prior owners of the house claim that what Bob wrote in his book doesn't jive with what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um We'll get to some detail details here in, in a second. And we're talking about some of these these occurrences that happened, Mike. There it was like physical in nature, like right away. It seems kind of mundane. It seems kind of, you know, while it's creepy, but it seems harmless. Um Bob would say that he would dangle rosaries. Again, he very a man of high faith. He would dangle rosaries. This is after things started happening from his light switches, light bulbs, in like his closets. It's, it's, it's those pull chain lights, you know, where it click, click, pull down the chain and... I have some of those there you go. in my house. Yes. And he, he would put a little rosary at the end of the string, end of the chain. <laughs> I haven't done that, but I could. I, I figure you hadn't. <laughs> Do you have a rosary in your house? I, I, there is, actually. There's oh, there a is. few of them. Oh, yes. Cool. Um, and he, he says that... Every damn time he did that, every damn time he returned to try to turn the light on, he couldn't because that rosary and the pull chain itself had been tightly wound around the light bulb itself. Mm. Every time. he's That basically happened for 18 straight years, and that was just like the first of some little creepy little incidents. I don't know how I would react if that happened. I mean... <laughs> so, well, did he keep doing it for 18 years? Yeah, yeah. And it just always happened. Like I said, that's he was a man of oh gosh. We we, we have a limited amount of time. And I, I want to describe him in my opinion of him, I should say, and take it ha- as you will. But he came across, I want to say this as respectfully as I can, came across mm-hmm. as a guy who thought really highly of, of himself. Okay. Maybe okay. he had every right in the world to do that. But he wrote in the book himself over and over and over. He took this. I mean, almost right away, he came to the conclusion that this house was haunted, infested by a demon, and he was going to battle it, and he was going to win. He was going to come out on top, regardless of everything that his family was going through, because he was going to rely on his faith, his family, and he were all going to rely on their faith. And their friends in the ministry, they, would, they formed mass in the house every night, 
they um at one point he I don't whoa, what was that? Uh the phone. That's a Sorry. phone. Huh? That sounds like an old church bell. That's yeah. Um he actually decided as a weapon of warfare, for lack of a better term, to put the movie The Passion of the Christ on a cough a count <laughs> a endless loop on play. You mean in the Mel Gibson? The Mel Passion? Gibson oh, Passion my. of the Christ movie was on an endless Oof. loop for months Boy. during their battle with the demons. So that'd I be, didn't that'd be know. A tough one. I didn't know that Mel Gibson was uh, required to battle demons, but maybe he is. Um, <laughs> I'm not mocking it at all. Okay, I'm not mocking it. Maybe it well, worked. He, maybe it was true. It's just hard for Mike and I to kind of grasp that idea. Well, he's using the the uh, energy that this movie would put out i mean the emotion that comes from that movie i mean i watched it yes. and and i was you can't deny you know, it yeah. i was touched inside you know and all of that energy like that uh maybe he was relying on that to give him give him a hand with what he had to do now i am going to pull out just to help us through here mike um not that we aren't doing a wonderful job. I'm pulling out an article, a really well-written article from the Skeptical Inquirer. Oh, there you org. go. This was released in, this was published May of 2021. It was written by Mr. J.D. Sword, who himself is a member of the Satanic Church. But again, we all know that when you hear the phrase Satanic Church, a lot of people mis misinterpret that, don't they, Mike? It's not, it's not I believe yes. Not do. necessarily what a lot of people immediately assume it to be, because it it is not. Actually, uh, if some people, well, they take it as a religion, as they are religion. So I'm going to start flying through some of these uh, some notes here in this article. All right, check them out. <laughs> uh, Bob stated, "This was from a chat in 2014." Uh, he went on to state that for years, this is a quote, for years we would experience things like all the lights being turned on in the basement when we got up in the morning and when we went downstairs to check the wood burner, occasionally the radio would be turned on and playing in my workshop area. The children would tell us that they would hear walking and knocking outside of the bedroom doors in the hallway and it would t wake them up in the middle of the night. Again, seemingly innocuous. I mean, still creepy, but nothing really kind of, nothing dangerous, so to speak. It started oh, I, I out low, started small, and yeah. and grew. I mean, if I heard footsteps outside my bedroom door every night, it'd be creepy. It'd be unsettling. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, Cramner, Cranmer, Mr. Bob, during his research, uh, research into the house's history, he claims that this was in reference to what I was talking about earlier, Mike. Mike, do not fall off your chair. You are making no. me nervous. I'm, I'm just, Yeah. <laughs> I'm twisting my chair Mike, back and forth. Mike, Mike ate <clears throat> a bottle of oregano earlier today, if you know what I mean. So, uh, ate a bottle. Of, you know, <laughs> I Cramner the the cap fell off when it, I put it into the spaghetti sauce. Yeah, he had a little too much, a little too much. So uh, anyway, Mr. Bob claimed to have spoken to a woman named Barbara Barbara Paisley Paisley, whose parents Walter and Margaret Wagner owned the home from 1941 to 1979. Now, in the book, Mr. Bob. <laughs> Claims he asked Mrs. Paisley if she or her family ever experienced anything spiritual in the house and alleges that she replied, oh, yes, many times. That's from the book. That's in the book. 
However, according to Barbara Paisley's daughter, Karen Dwyer, she went on to say this. Other than the squirrels and the walls, I never experienced anything there. My mother never said anything about the house being haunted. My grandmother never said anything about the house being haunted. And my grandfather never said anything about the house being haunted. If he, Mr. Bob, wants to go and write it down from 1988 and go forward, do it. I don't care. But if you want to lie about other people and things that happened before that, well, no, that's not right. So there's a family member who claims that what Bob claims to have heard from her family members is absolutely untrue. So we, as people who don't personally know either of them, who are we to believe, right? Right, exactly. Who do you believe? Cramner then alleges that Barbara Paisley also told him about their dog who, quote, seemed to be able to sense the presence of a spirit and would go from room to room apparently looking for it. Again, that's directly from the book. And again, Karen Dwyer said of this, that's interesting because we never had a dog. My parents mm-hmm. don't like pets. So, well, there you go. So who do we believe, Mike? Well. Is Bob outright lying right there? Is he mixing up other cases for in, uh, other people that he chatted with? Or is he caught in a downright lie here to add meat to his claims? All of those are very plausible you know, conclusions. <sighs> I don't know. Or is there some underlying issue there between this family member and Bob that we don't know about, and so she wants to dispute him no matter what the truth may or may not be? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's something um, really deep beyond this. It's either it has to do with a lot of money or, or sexual greed. <laughs> Don't know, man. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. There, I know. I think maybe the cartel might be even involved a little bit. A little Ozarks action going on right now, maybe. Um, (laughs) some stuff off the top of my head, Mike, that I'm remembering, yes, right now from the book. He also claims that when he was working on the cellar or this door down to the like the cellar area, he came across this odd large piece of wood that had some odd markings on it. Uh, long story short. He claimed to, after doing research, that he claims to have found it to be the markings left from one of the original, well, carpenters, one of the original constructors of the house who was in love with one of the daughters of the parents Mm -hmm. who were building the house, and he felt like he was being, hmm, I don't want to say directly hurt from her, but kind of teased. Ostracized. Yeah, kind of like she would walk around like, look at me, uh, worker boys. Look at me. Oh, you can't have me. Like he was, she was right out of his reach and he got very oh. frustrated. And so she was kind of like a whore. <laughs> well, a tease. How about that? We'll say a tease. Well, a teasing whore. A teasing okay. whore. That's the name of this episode. Teasing whores. Okay. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> Um, This article goes on with the help of a priest named Father Ron Lenwin and a Catholic intuitive, i.e. psychic. But I know in the book, the psychic Connie Valenti, she in the book herself, again, according to Mr. Bob, she did not want to. She refused to be referred as as a psychic. She said she wanted to be referred to as an intuitive. She claims to have had several visions um, of, including the massacre on on the land there, several visions of the history of that house. Mr. Bob claims to have discovered a dark history, like we talked about, that perhaps explains some of the demonic activity within the home. Now, first, according to the intuitive Miss Valenti, the home was a site of an attack by angry Native Americans. We talked about that already. She said, I see the spirits. I see one man in particular with a big knife. 
There was a massacre of the mother and her three children by Native Americans who were angry at their land being invaded by settlers. The husband wasn't there when it occurred. Now, what's interesting here, because this is actually backed up by history, because Cranmer, who was a self-proclaimed history buff, he did a lot of research into the history, as we mentioned already, but he found a letter from the archives of the U.S. War Department dated back March 31st, 1792, Mike, and I'm looking at the, wow. the screen clipping here, the screenshot of the actual newspaper clipping. It's really interesting looking at this because their Fs yeah. look like Ss or, yes. the, or vice versa. I've seen that before. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I have no idea. This is from the Pits, uh, it says Pittsburgh, April, April 7th, extract of a letter from Vellon, dated March 27th, 1791, in the printer. It says we have the following intelligence by a party of men from Mulk, Mulkingum that at a small station, and again here it says Famal Fallation, but it's small station. Between Belpre and Belleville, on the west side of Ohio, the Indians killed the wife and three children of one Deliverance Brown, who, being some diff distance from the house with his son, made his, exca his escape. The Indians only scalped the woman. The same account says that a house occupied two or three days before by one Samuel McCullough, opposite the mouth of Possum Creek. But again, right here it says Possum Creek, but it's Possum, 30 miles below this place, and yada, yada, yada. But anyways, that's some historical backup to this story. Mm. Okay, so that actually happened. That's actually true. But was it exactly at that locale where the house was eventually built? Well, we don't really know that. It strongly suggested that it is, but again, do we know for certain, Mike? I don't. I well, don't think you do either. It, it's at least in the general vicinity. I mean, it's yeah. it's yeah. it's there. Um, I think it, it's uh, a lot of that validates an issue that this house has, or the land has, the whole location. I still I still lean towards excuse me an elemental with a, a dark dark form as yeah. well. No, I got gotcha. you. Your dog You're agrees with you too. like my Great Pyrenees. <laughs> You're very protective. You're very defensive, Great Pyrenees. Yes. Ooh, here she is. Now, there's also an issue here, Mike, about the mysterious Dr. M. Now, who is Dr. M? Well, we don't really know. There are several suggestions as to who this actually is, but according to Mr. Cramner, the house used to be, uh, be the locale of a particular Dr. M who, guess what, in the 1920s and 1930s performed Perhaps hundreds of illegal abortions, Mike. Um, okay. We've talked about stuff like this before with other cases as well. You know, these damn nefarious, evil-doing doctors. I mean, even right. these ones who think they might be doing the best for women, you know, their methods were atrocious. If they're performing yeah. illegal abortions in the first place, probably not too sanitary. I wouldn't be surprised, I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of the mothers passed away during these procedures. Hold this elderberry twig in your mouth for five minutes. Put this oak leaf on your belly button. Did that say work? The, does that work? Say the, it does. It works very... <laughs> never mind. 
Now, again, this is from uh, the intuitive Connie Valenti during some of her retrocognition sessions. Not only did she, yeah, not only did she refer to the Native American massacre, but she also claimed to have visions revealing the house was once used by Dr. M, rumored to have performed illegal abortions, as I, as I mentioned. Cramner, uh, Mr. Bob claims in his book that he hired a historical specialist to research, research this Dr. M and discovered that he was a pediatrician who started practice in 1915 and was described by local businessmen as a, quote, very rough and profane old man who liked to drink and always smelled of it. He walked with a limp and always wore black hat, white gloves, and carried a cane. Ugh. Wow. Eh. I don't want to go to that guy. That, that stalker murderer material Ugh. right there, oh, I tell shit. you. Good golly, Ms. <clears throat> now, although the identity, the real identity of this Dr. M is never given in the book, which it wasn't, uh, Mr. Bob has admitted that the Dr. M slash the quoted name Dr. M was really Dr. James Merton Clay Mon, M-A-H-A-N. Now, Dr. Mon was born in 1890, Creekside, Pennsylvania, and he actually appears on page 147 on the University of Pittsburgh's Alumni Directory, Volume 2, dating 1787 through 1966. So again, this guy is confirmed to us exist and his medical background was confirmed. Hmm. Now, the author of this article says, with the help of my investigative friend, Kenny Biddle, they were able to find... Hey, a, Kenny. <laughs> they were able to find a registration card dated April 25th, 1942, which not only confirms Dr. Mon's full name, his place of birth, his status as a medical doctor, but also the fact that he walked, guess what, with a cane. So that's kind of... Mm. So that fits. Some of that stuff fits with what this Connie Valenti discovered, but I shouldn't say what she discovered, what she claimed to envision... She'd simply do her own research. Did she do that, and that's how she's pulling this stuff out of her? Or we, do we believe that she saw this in her retrocognition sessions, Mike? What say you? It's something that you can never, you can never do. I mean, it has to be just like an individual decision, and you have to stick with it. I, I know, I know. There's just no and again, proofing. But like we said, way. we've said forever ago, Mike, in this episode, though we we're open minded, but we have to be skeptical. We absolutely. I mean, we're learning about this as we're sharing this with our listeners. Basically, you know, I I'm farting this out of my brain right now because I just finished the book, and Mike is staring at me blankly. Hopefully, because you know, he wants me to uh, to continue. Are you telling me to be quiet? Is that like? Oh just, no, I yeah. I'm like <laughs> I've like before. I'm enthralled. Are you really? Are you trying? I'm hanging on every word that you say, and I gotta hang on something. The, you're gonna fall over. The grip is loosening, <laughs> but go ahead. <clears throat> I know I'm going as fast as I can. I'm sorry. I still have those notes right here. My, oh, you're doing great. I, I, my professional notes. Look at these. I'm things. very proud of you. Yes, look. <sighs> I see. There is something interesting here as I'm as I'm flying through my professional notes. In the book, he does have, uh, Mr. Bob does share some photos of stuff that he claims to have happened in the house, including the walls bleeding, Mike. He says that was a very common occurrence, mm. the walls bleeding. Um, he did say that he had some of the wall collected, or some of the wall, some of the quote-unquote blood collected and sampled and studied. Didn't come back as blood, obviously, but more like of a soil substance, I believe. But still, what the hell is seeping through the damn walls. He still referred to it as blood. He might have actually suggested that there was like a tiny trace of blood in it, but it was mostly all like organic, like I said, soil material. But there's a photo in there. It just looks like someone threw honey on the wall and it was dripping down. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. 
It's it's like uh, Night of the Living Dead. That that blood that was right. uh, dripping down and dripping down the by the you stairs, know, and it was actually chocolate syrup that they used. That's right. Yes, that's that's anyway. right. A little movie trivia there. Yes. And again, you know, in all sincerity, I would love to talk to Mr. Bob, Mr. Bob Cranmer on the show. I don't know if this is true or not. I'm I'm being honest. I know he's not listening right now, but in the in the minute chance that he that he is or hears someone talk about it, you know. Yeah. We don't know if this is real or not. Um, come on the show and tell us that it is and try to convince us. Um, I'm open to the idea. I absolutely am. And a lot of the stuff is matching up. Some of the history is matching up with some of the claims. So we get that. Some other instances, Mike. Fairly yes. common instances. Uh, Mr. Bob claims that mysterious puddles of blood would appear from room to room. Um, puddles of mystery, mystery <laughs> of mysterious fluids. Mm. Um, it has to be said that again, this is uh, Bob's family. He had um, <clears throat> he had children, he had daughters, he had sons. Uh, he and his wife, unfortunately, went through some issues here. But again, all, a lot of it is credited to, if, that's, if I can say that, to the supposed demonic entity in this house. He says that his children went through changes, such as one of them seemed to go into kind of a depression, which could very well happen. It's very common. But he, again, reasoned that it was caused by the demon in the house. Other, I mean, uh, it's obviously a demon because he started dressing goth-like. That's why I brought that up the, at, at the beginning of the show. Oh, boy. Because he was saying his son started listening to all this dark music and dressing all dark. And it's like, well, you know, that's every other kid out there does that. And then came along the Kiss album. <laughs> that's right. Nights in Satan's service. But uh, but this was 1988, so Kiss was... They, they, they were... They were in their non-makeup days at that time, so they were as harmless as you could be, pretty much. But uh, and then they got old. <laughs> yeah. Then they put makeup back on and raked yeah. in more millions. So uh, well, I remember when they took their makeup off, and a lot of people were saying, "Boy, I, they should leave it on." They should leave. It on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. Um, other photos he claims to have. Uh, they or he claims are. Uh, well, let's just say it. He says it's evidence of paranormal activity in the house. He said his dog would often seem to go into like a trance-like state and stare off in the space for whatever reason, then start barking and run off, you know, seemingly like in reaction to something standing there in front of him. Well, one day the dog started doing that in front of the steps in that trance-like state. He took a photo and poof, and it's in the book. There's a kind of an odd, anomalous-looking misty color on the steps going, you know, upstairs where the dog was staring at. But how are we to know? It's nothing like, it's not proof. It's absolutely not proof. No, it can't be, which is so sad. Yeah, I mean, it could, I, mean, I don't know what type of camera it was, but it almost looked like a, a Polaroid type of photo. I don't know. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like when the spiritual movement started, like in the 1800s or whatever, and people were, were taking photos and faking photos and, you know, the camera was was going to be like the thing that caught proof of something. Yes. You know, that's that that was proof at one time. But it's it's just been thrown out and ruined and it's we'll never get it back. You know, that's interesting, too, because that is another 
um, paranormal investigative option that we should, a cheap one too, Mike, that we should utilize. Let's go grab some Polaroid cameras and bring them mm. to the next investigation. You see, you know, the flipping geniuses of ghost adventures using those all the time nowadays. They use Polaroids. That's right. Why not? And I'm not yeah. saying that flippantly about the geniuses of ghost adventures, everybody. So calm down. Well, I used to have a one step, a Polaroid one step. When they first came out, I, I had one. Now they're collectible. You know, it should be pointed out too. And again, obviously Mr. Cranmer um, has his point of view, but it should be stated that at one point during a lot of family unrest that he was actually arrested after an incident between he and his son in the house. They got into a fight. His, his son clocked him and uh, Cran, Cranmer states in the book that it was basically in self-defense that he uh, retaliated, but he's a father, and when a child's involved, well, you're going to get arrested. And uh, he was. Right. And it's only fair <laughs> to throw that out there. We have to throw that out there because it happened, and he talks about it in his book. Yeah. Um, the son clocked him, huh? Yeah. Say what you will. <laughs> Say what you will. I mean, again, Mr. Bob states that this is all this undoing was caused, this unraveling, this family unrest, this turmoil was caused by this underlying demon, this this beast that lurks in its so, own little comfy lair in the closet. Right. So far, though, you know, all of these things that he's talking about, oh, this is demonic, this is caused by the demon, this is caused by this or the negative energy. Um, even the odd ones, I mean, you can you can come up with a, with a, some kind of a conclusion that would not be demonic. And some of them, you know, anybody would say, well, that's just a family thing that happens, unfortunately, but it does happen. Yeah, no, it's, it's unfortunately quite common, you know, but there's also, there's a thousand different reasons as to why. Um, potential reasons, I should say. Right. You know, but again, I don't want to be judgmental. At all. I really don't want to be judgmental. Am I failing? Maybe I am. But we have to be honest here, and it happens. Um, at least he was open about it in the book. He didn't try to sugarcoat it by any means, but unless you call, like, it's caused by the devil of being sugarcoating, then, well, say say what you will about that. Mm -hmm. um, and throughout the book, too, Mr. Bob throws out examples that had happened to him in his life, you know, kind of coincidental occurrences that we all experience them, you know, that he absolutely attributes to God kind of intervening in his life, and maybe it really happened, and if it did, that's absolutely fantastic and wonderful and right. magical and absolutely. spiritual. You know, so say what you will about that. Is it coincidence, or is there something of a higher power at hand? You know, sometimes, Mike, I know what happens to you. I know damn well it happens to me that stuff just doesn't seem like it's a coincidence. It's like, how did this put itself in front of me, and how did this make me change my mind that day in order to, you know, I don't know, alter that day's happenings you know what i mean right and, and those things odd. can be so strong in your mind that uh you know it's it is real you know it's just like yeah. you know with mr cranmer's uh experiences to him they're extremely real and he is convinced you know that what what's going on was either demonic or yeah oh spiritual yeah. in nature you know just like we like you just explained we put ourselves in that position and we can really believe, you know. Nope, I agree with you, man. 
Oh, that's very well stated. Now, going on in this with this article here. Now, given going back to Mr. Dr. M, Dr. Mon, the guy who performed these allegedly performed these illegal abortions. Uh, given the portrayal of Dr. Mon in the book, one would hope that Cranmer Lenguin, Father Lenguin, and Connie Valenti had evidence to support their allegations that he was responsible for the quote demon of Brownsville Road. When asked in an interview interview about this, Father Lenguin replied. I don't need to verify it in order to tell the story. And that, since Dr. Mon was never named directly in the book, quote, we didn't accuse anyone of anything. Connie Valenti stated in an interview that as far as her visions goes, the story is all true. And that I can tell you, I can only tell you what I saw. For his part, Mr. Cranmer refused to discuss Dr. Mon at all, claiming, well, I didn't identify him in the book, so I'm not going to discuss him. Unfortunately for Mr. Bob, it turns out Dr. Mon actually has some living relatives who, much like the earlier mentioned Karen Dwyer, took some umbrage with his portrayal in the book. Dean Mon, grandson to Dr. Mon, argues that his grandfather couldn't have been performing abortions in the house at Brownsville Road in the 1920s and 1930s because my grandfather wasn't even there on Brownsville Road then. Census records from 1920 and 1940 both confirm this showing Dr. Mon was living totally different street, totally different area at that same time. According to Dean, his grandson, his grandfather didn't move to Brentwood until sometime in the 1940s. And he also had a bad arm from a tractor incident is many that, years before, and he could not perform. Is that true? Now, is that true? Are you throwing out unsolicited garbage or do you have it, stuff to verify this as fact no no it's it's what i feel it's that's my what truth. you feel that's your truth yes absolutely okay so you are that's your your form of retrocognition because you had a vision of this poor man pulling this tractor <laughs> therefore he cannot perform illegal abortions yep. even, even though the timeline didn't match up anyways it doesn't matter i mean yeah okay so okay I gotcha. Understood. But yeah. interesting. Very fascinating. This I don't know whole... if you can see that. That's one of the... No, you can't really see it. I can't. No. Yeah, Mike's got... I... His vision's kind of shitty right now anyways. I was trying to show him a picture of the supposed blood. But again, it just... Kinda, I don't know. Uh, again. Blood. No. Mother. Blood. <laughs> oh. Uh, Sissy Spacek is here. What the hell? That <laughs> was actually my Anthony Perkins from Psycho. Oh, that's right. I thought you were doing Sissy Spacek. Okay. No, that was, My bad. No. Now, uh, uh, talking a little bit about this blood, and yes, Mike, we'll be wrapping it up here shortly, so no no worries, my friend. You can go none nice sometime soon. Oh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm kidding. Now, this is uh, what Mr. Cranmer wrote. All of the walls, including two doors, were splattered with large drops of red blood from the ceiling to the floor. The blood was still wet and was running down the walls. It was as it was if as if uh, it was as if someone had just taken a container and sponge and sprinkled the walls as Father Mike. Mm. Hey, Father Mike! There's an actual Father Mike. <laughs> really? Had done numerous times with holy water over the next several several weeks with the blood. Okay, back up. Over the next several weeks, the blood continued to be sprinkled down both staircases to the first floor, including my den, Mister Cranmer's den. Some of the areas where the blood was dripping from were so far up, up to nine feet, that a person would have had to have used a ladder to get there. Or, no, he could have just thrown like a bucket of liquid 
up yeah. there. You don't have to climb a ladder to get something <laughs> up nine feet. So this father, is it Father Mike or whatever, or whoever is constantly throwing <laughs> holy water on these spots, okay? Yes. So, okay, this is very possibly a very old house. Well, it is an old house, very old house. Uh, you know, the, the constant spraying and sprinkling of this water, maybe it's soaking into the old, old paint, old wallpaper, whatever. Hey, I see and where you're going. Ex- and it's extruding. If that's a real word, I'm going to use it or not. But, you know, <laughs> it moisture, <is> now. <laughs> moisture from behind, and it's coming out as a liquid that is colored by the yes, exactly. all of the layers of old uh, wallpaper or whatever. Mike, that's a possibility. It really mm. is. Yeah. Maybe. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that might be right. I'm not sure if that. You said extruding? That might be right. Ex- extruding yeah. at the sea. It sounded better. Now, another photo in the book um, allegedly shows the four-person grave site in the Cranmer's backyard underneath that giant oak tree. Uh, Bob hired ground-penetrating radar systems to scan the yard based on the psychic visions of Connie Valenti. I asked Mr. Cranmer about GPR's findings. Uh, findings. GPR is the ground-penetrating radar system. And this is the article, or this is the author of the article writing this. And Cranmer explained, what the text showed me were four images on a screen that he said were buried four to six feet deep, all lying horizontally. Again, four. That matches like the mom and the three daughters, right? Mm-hmm. All lying horizontally next to each other, four to six feet deep. There may have been a printed report, and I may have it in the files, but this service is generally used by the construction or service people wanting to know what, where, how deep something is buried. He told me that the site was in keeping with all of the attributes of a grave. Now, when I asked Mr. Bob if he had a copy of the report he'd be willing to share, he responded, I appreciate your interest, J.D., but I have so many files, I don't have the motivation to dig through them right now. Mm. (laughs) Uh, That's questionable. Kind of questionable. Kind of questionable. And again, he goes on, Mr. Cramner claims that he used his own dowsing technique to find you know, these supposed buried objects. Then this was actually showcased on the History Channel, program on the History Channel back in 2014. Um, Mr. Cramner said, I held two copper rods and walked around until they moved, indicating the grave at the oak tree. Dowsing, despite the, its enduring popularity, has never been scientifically validated. But, you know, Mike and I, we're open-minded to dowsing rods being fairly... Oh, sure, you know, yeah. Um, reasonable in use. It's tapping into your energy and using them as yeah. a tool to now, pinpoint it. If it seems like I'm flying through energy. this, I apologize. If it seems like I'm flying through it, it's because I am. I have a couple more things to say here. Uh, just to wrap up what this article states, what this author personally said, he says, whatever might have happened to Mr. Cranmer and his family during the 18 years in which they were allegedly tormented by a demonic entity, they have my sympathies. As I previously stated, while demons and demonic activity may or may not exist, assuredly, depression, anxiety, and suicidal tendencies are very real and very serious. While I understand that plenty of people find a sense of comfort in religion and in applying a religious interpretation to their experiences, I am also concerned that believing oneself to be the victim of supernatural or demonic forces may, in some cases, make the situation worse. Absolutely. Regardless, people who believe in demons or the devil will probably continue to seek diabolical, di- diabolical explanations for the unexplained. 
Whether it's finding the greater meaning in one's misfortunes or simply scaring up a prophet, the devil gets all the blame but none of the credit. That's very well written by that uh, J.D. Dowd, I believe his name was, right? Was it J.D. Mm. Dowd? Um, yeah, so I get that. Now, before I forget, Mike, and before J.D. Sword. J.D. Sword. Not Dowd. I, I was thinking Doodle. Yeah, I, said, I thought Dowd, Doodle, you said Sword. Dowd, and then it is totally wrong. Anyway. Um, I do have to say this because this part is pretty interesting. It's, it was included in the epilogue of the book. Um, the epilogue, Mr. Cramner, Cranmer relates some of the stories that he, uh, some of the conversations he had with the fathers involved and the, the intuitive Connie Valenti uh, years after the fact, after the house was exercised for the final time, which, by the way, he said when they brought in the, um, you know, the priest to perform the exorcism, you know, the, the Catholic Church condoned, you know, official exorcist was sent there because you have to get these things approved. You know, Boy, it takes a lot to get it oh, approved. Oh, God, too. yeah. You know, it, it was kind of a, it was a pretty mystifying event. Again, according to the author, um, a black mass allegedly manifested itself. Uh, and they had seen, you know, Mr. Cranmer, him in, you know, specifically, and had seen alleged like apparitions in the house throughout the years. Um, his children had a very terrifying experience of what was come to be known as the blue room. We're talking about a, CD being thrown at his son with such velocity that actually like stuck in the wall or was it the door? Mm. I can't remember what it was. I mean, that's something that could have done serious damage if it hit him across the throat. Oh, it could have cut his jugular. Good God, yeah. Right um, the hell out. So in this final it bled exorcism, out in two minutes. <laughs> maybe that's what caused the blood on the walls, right? I don't know. Oh, sure. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um. So during this final exorcism, this dark mass manifested itself um but with the priest's help obviously the exorcist's help and mr cranmer's himself because again cranmer had done tons and tons of praying spiritual warfare as he calls it um throughout the years finally came back after battles being or tons of times being turned down being seemingly the the victims of this devil itself they're about ready to give up after years of fighting back it finally disappeared as he called with a whimper. He said he was expecting like a thunderbolt or lightning crash and this thing like wailing and screaming before it finally disappeared into the ground, which it did. He said it did kind of like dribble down into this dark blob, <laughs> not like liquidy, but it was like a, a misty form on the ground and then then, then dissipated. So, <laughs> Oh, man. Well, that's I, what it says. I'm what picturing it, it, and it's like, oh, it's not really big. It can't be... Oh, it's not that dramatic, but boy, it's just boy, goo dripping out into the ground. And I said it wasn't goo. Oh I said God. it wasn't liquid, I meant. I said it was no, it was like it a, was like a black mass. Yes, yeah, kind of like ashen, you know, kind of like just like, totally, yeah. you know, almost burning away, so to speak. Well, I, I got to tell you, you did a great job in just well, not really putting that across <laughs> as what it was. I, yeah, I shivered a little bit. Well, he said, and then laughed. You know, heavily, laugh my ass up, heartily. Yeah. But he says, you know, went out with a whimper. And <laughs> supposedly, the house was pretty much, aside from a few happenings here and there, it was done. You know, it had, it, mm. it had been weakened to the, to the point of non-existence, basically. Years later, again, getting back to the epilogue, talking to the priests involved, talking to Connie Valenti, 
Long story short, too late, and another one of her retrocognition sessions, um, well, kind of maybe recalling one of her retrocognition sessions. In no uncertain terms, Mike, she, when Mr. Cranmer asked her, why was I attracted to this house in the first place? We mentioned that mm-hmm. forever ago. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been intrigued with this house since I was a kid. I felt like this house was calling me. Why did I keep my family here? Why did I feel so in, why was I so adamant about saying, this is my house, this is me, you're leaving, not us, yada, yada, yada. Well, according to the Connie Valenti, Mike, Mr. Bob Cranmer was the reborn spirit of one of the aborted children. Oh, my gosh. Back in the 1920s. That was kite. I have to. I have to admit, if that's fictionalized, that was a great way to end the book. <laughs> if it's true, it's utterly creepy, fascinating, terrifying, horrifying, almost reconfirming though. All in one. I don't know what I think about it, but what a way to well, end that book. Just geez. I'm gonna throw out that tidbit. I didn't see that coming at all. Because no. this guy, because he says, he goes, rebirth, reincarnation is totally a non-Christian thing. Mm-hmm. He is 199% Christian. That's something that you do not believe in, supposedly. You know, if you are a, quote, true Christian, you do not believe in the potential of reincarnation. He changed his tone. He's still a Christian, but he is now open to the idea of reincarnation. He believes so much in everything that happened at his house that he now thinks, well, that he was one of the aborted kids. What do you think? Aborted children. That's not terrible how I said that. Well, you know what it reminds me of when I was uh, at San Haven back in that dirty, dark corner. Yes. In that basement that where all the babies were supposed to have been buried. Ugh. Horrifying. Just sad. Terrible. Yeah. Horrifying. But yeah, you know, hey, for a movie, if it was a movie, that would be an awesome ending. Do you buy into it? Uh, not really. I really don't. Do you think it's kind of something to help sell books, help sell the story? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it could have been a thought in the man's head. I mean... And he sure, and he, him, he, and he, he could just believe it. Himself. Yeah. He could absolutely believe it. And yeah. if it's true too, Mike, I mean, again, we're open-minded. I would feel awful if that is actually the case, and we're sitting here being flippant about it and saying, you're not true, you're not saying the truth, blah, blah, well, blah. Well, you know, it could be true, because we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, I know, that's the thing. The weirdest and most obscure, bizarre thing that you could imagine that you would never believe is true mm-hmm. had, could have every true sense to it so we just don't know we don't know and that's half the half the reason it's fascinating isn't it mike because we don't know we don't know we have our thoughts we have our opinions it should be noted too that during one point in the investigation i'd be remiss if i didn't mention this um one point in the investigation mr cranmer called upon the help of a pennsylvania university paranormal research group head Mm. by or led by a young ryan buell who Fans uh-huh. of the show Paranormal State from back in the day may recognize um, our own beloved guest, Mr. Chip Coffee, was a was an eventual guest on that show. 
it was pretty popular for a couple of years. Uh, Ryan Buell, unfortunately, has had some has had a checkered history since that show went off the air. So I don't know how you think about him, but uh, Mr. Cranmer was he was impressed with their techniques. He said that they were very professional, but super young. This was like their one of their first cases. I believe they actually had an any special based on this case. But he was also kind of leery of some of the pub- publicity. He claims he did not want any publicity. He claims he didn't want his family's name released. So, again, our hands are up in the air on that one. Who do who do we tru- who do you truly believe? We don't know. But I wanted to throw that out there because this is actually was featured on, or I shouldn't say featured on. It was one of the first investigations by the group that eventually became the Paranormal State Group on A and E. So, Mike, uh, very any, very interesting. Yeah, I'll let you go, man. Thank you so much for making this work, buddy. I know you've had a rough day, and I tease you, but <clears> again, <throat> it's all good natured. You know, it's good natured. Oh, um, absolutely, I do. Um, I, I wouldn't know what to do if you didn't do it. <laughs> and you fire right back at me too, man. Absolutely. Hey, I've I'm I've been holding back. You I don't know you want have. to see me just let go. <sighs> well, now I'm frightened. I've got all kinds of stuff I can throw at you. Oh, great. <laughs> well, bring it on, man. I'm sure our listeners will. Yeah, bring it on. It. Well, final thoughts, Mike, on this case, the demon of Brownsville Road. Yes, I think, like I said earlier, I I I, I did. I do feel that there's a black entity, a dark shadow, and that did come up after I said that. You said there's a dark shadow. I did. I, I felt that as well as in the elemental aspect of it. Well, I don't know That's, if you can hear me, but I can't hear you because my headphones got pulled out. Uh, One sec. So okay. keep talking, Mike, while I put my headphones, if I while I plug okay. in. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm really thinking the nature, the nature, the natural, the elemental and the the black the black energy as uh, something something from the 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 earth like the elemental. It's, I like that idea. It's ancient. It's ancient. It's always been there. And you know what? We don't know. Again, maybe that ancient energy somehow is manipulated by the evil acts of humans. Oh sure, it's, but it's, again, it fed the energy. But then again, Mike. It could be vice versa. (laughs) My my hands are up in the air. Absolutely. Mike, in a final tidbit, since 2007, the house on Brownsville Road, Mr. Cranmer still owns it. It's now a bed Mm. and breakfast. So you can go stay there if you want to. Really? Yeah. Nah, that's okay. (laughs) So again, what do you think about that one? It's been exercised. It's been cleansed. But he's still well, kind of using it, to, using the story to rent out his bed and breakfast, isn't he? But that's what businessmen do, okay? Yeah. That's hey, what they do. That's what happens. And again, Capitalize on something. I doubt to hell, no pun intended, that Mr. Cranmer hears this, but it's an open invitation. We'd love to hear his story one-on-one, face-to-face here on the Paranormally Zone. I think that'd be fantastic. He still does podcasts. He still does podcast interviews, so that's a possibility. Anyways, thanks again, Mike. I appreciate you making Absolutely. this. Absolutely. This has been a fantastic chat. I'm losing my voice. My throat's getting sore. That's a surefire <clears throat> sign that I've talked way too much during this episode, and I apologize. So, Mike, until next time, what do the friends of the podcast need to do? Peace out. <laughs>